I'm Shira Donath. Welcome to our Unpacking Podcast. Today's episode, we will be unpacking wellness with Zipoer Gelman. Hi, I'm Ora Schreier, and we are so excited to be having this topic at this time of year, wellness. The holistic approach to wellness that we're going to be hearing about from our guests is something we're really excited to be bringing to the community, um, and we hope you enjoy our conversation together. I am so thrilled to have with us Tupora Gelman. She's someone who, for me personally, has been really instrumental in my life for the last couple of months. Um, Tupora reached out to all the residents in America, basically, and offered free Zoom classes um, with her gym, which saved my sanity um, and, like, probably saved the lives of all of my family members. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate that, and I am so thrilled to have her with us. Sipora Gelman is the founder of an all-female fitness boutique studio from Chicago in Skokie, Illinois, where she services girls and women from around the globe with fitness classes. Her dream is to inspire women to love themselves and empower them through her workouts. Her message is one of self-love and self-care. Already 10 years in the industry, she has created a global phenomenon uniting women from all backgrounds with her contagious energy and passion for movement. Her personal journey to health and wellness has provided the foundation for the work that she does. She's also a Rebbitzin at Kehillat Chobavet Zion and the proud mother of five children. Welcome, Sipora. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. We're so excited to, to have you and to be having this conversation together. We just want to start for anyone not familiar and even to hear a little bit more ourselves. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Your, what you do and, and really how you started this whole sort of from the Chicago movement. Sure. So um, this past April, actually, I, I celebrated um, 10 years of my wellness journey. And um, I, given the global pandemic and all the craziness that was going on, um, people were looking for inspiration. And I wasn't going to attempt um, <laughs> tackling, you know, COVID-19. But I thought that if I shared my story, that it might inspire people to um, to get moving, and especially given that so many gyms were closed, um, and just to really um, start taking care of themselves if they weren't already. Um, because given all of the craziness, um, I feel like women were sort of put, put themselves on the back burner, and I just didn't want that to happen. I wanted them to be able to maintain their fitness goals. So I thought if I spoke about my journey, that it would inspire um, people. So I did it really for like family and friends around. Um, around the globe. And um, I would definitely encourage listeners to listen to that talk because in that talk, it's like an hour talk where I really talk about my story. Um, but I'll give you guys like just a little bit of a highlight of, um, of where I come from, my background, and how that's where I am today. Before I do that, though, I do want to say that if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be a business owner of a fitness studio, um, I would have laughed in your face. Um, because I was the most sedentary person and um, exercise was the, like not even on my radar in any way, shape, or form. And taking care of myself was not on my radar in any, um, in any way, shape, or form. And the reason I say that, though, is because I needed me now then. And I hope that anyone who is listening and feels stuck in their lives, wherever it may be, in either their physical wellness or their emotional wellness or their spiritual wellness or their um, emotional wellness, if you're feeling stuck, I feel like I, hopefully this talk will inspire you to realize that you can move past that and you can make a change. So I grew up in a very loving, sheltered 
and warm, humble home in Twin Rivers, New Jersey. Uh, my parents built my brother and I up to believe that we were awesome. We were told that we were capable, we were smart, and we were confident, and we could really accomplish anything that we set our, our minds to. Um, from a very young age, I remember having a love-hate relationship with food. Um, I used it for comfort, it was my best friend, and I also used it to punish myself. Um, and my disordered eating um, didn't really impede my life for my formative years, um, or at least I didn't realize that it was. Um, in, um, in high school, I achieved great things. I was a leader. I had friends. Um, I excelled academically and, um, I attended Stern for college. I majored in marketing in 2002 and I got married right upon graduating and, um, very quickly had kids. And, um, by the time I had my third child, I, was a Revitzin and I was in that mode of taking care of everyone else and putting myself last. Um, my life was very, very quickly unraveling and very, very, um, very quickly my disordered eating um, and my negative association with food and my toxic relationship with food um, really got me to a place where I was so, so unhealthy. I wasn't just unhealthy physically, but I was unhealthy emotionally and, um, and mentally. Um, I could barely go up a flight of stairs. It's funny because when I say that now, I think of like, I teach classes, fitness classes all day long, and it's like how I was asking I couldn't go up a flight of stairs, but I couldn't go up a flight of stairs without feeling like I was gonna have a heart attack, and I was only 27 years old. Um, in 2010, I um, was in my, child's um, elementary school, um, picking him up from school. And I bumped into this woman who very boldly approached me and said, you don't really look so happy and I'd like to help you. Um, at the time, I always say like, I'm so thankful to Hashem that um, I was able to be receptive of that because at other points in my life, people had approached me and said, you know, you need to do something about your health, you're, you're really worried about you. Um, I had family members who were willing to pay for personal trainers and um, put me on diets and um, it never, ever sat well with me. If anything, it made me um, do exactly the opposite. But for whatever reason, on April 23rd, 2010, this woman approached me and said to me, um, I really want to help you. And so she came to my house and we, sort, we talked about um, Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I basically joined this fellowship of overeaters. I remember walking in the rooms and thinking, all these people are crazy. I'm not one of them. Um, and then um, slowly started working the steps of a 12-step recovery program and totally was able to resonate, at, to, to relate to these people. And they would tell their stories about how they struggled with food and how they used food as a crutch and how, um, how much pain they were in for so, so many years. And um, I was so inspired and unfortunately, I would say at the time, I was so driven to lose weight that my end goal was really just the weight loss. While I did do the work, I focused so, so much and the emphasis was so much on getting to the end and what they call in, um, in recovery groups um, or in, addict in addiction groups, um, arriving. All I wanted to do was arrive. I just wanted to be that size or that number on the scale. I just, that was what was the end goal for me. 
Um, and unfortunately, what I learned is that you could take off your weight and you can, you know, think that you arrive, but if you don't do the actual real work, if you don't do the internal work, if you don't do the emotional work, the mental work, the spiritual work, um, it doesn't, it doesn't stick. But um, initially when I first lost half of my body weight, um, I was this poster child because everyone knew me as one person and now they knew me as this other person. And I, um, while I completely changed how I ate, I started exercising and I found a Zumba class in a gym and um, it didn't feel like working out. It felt like a party. And my parents are Colombian, South American. And um, so I grew up with Spanish music all the time and um, I loved dancing. And so I was totally hooked. I went to one class and I was like, oh my God, when's the next class? I have to go to the next class. And so um, while I was eating healthy and exercising and doing Zumba, um, you know, I, I sort of felt that I needed to bring this to my community. Like I didn't, in the firm community, at least here in Chicago, there was very, very little for women in terms of exercise. Um, if anything, there were women doing classes in their basements and you could only have like five or, you know, maybe 10 people in someone's basement. So I decided, given that I was, I was a homeless teacher at the time in, in day school and I was a resident of the school, I knew a lot of people. So I figured, let me put it out there and see if anyone wants to come dance with me. And I really wanted to target, the vision was really to target mothers, daughters, grandmothers. Like I wanted all of the women in Chicago to, to get in on this amazing, joyful, workout and see that working out can be fun. That was really how it started. That was really the premise. And I did not in any way, shape or form think that it would become a business. I, in fact, I didn't charge for my classes. I, I the shul, my shul at the time where I'm sitting, like actually right now, um, had purchased five homes and they were going to knock them down and they were going to build the building. And so I asked the shul, can I use one of the houses? Cause like, they're just sitting there and I'm like, sure, whatever, no problem. And so I invited like anyone who I saw on like tonight at 8.30, you know, come join me. And so 10 people came. It was mothers and daughters all came to this class. I had this like little makeshift stereo. And um, and they're at the end of the class, they're like, okay, when are we doing this again? And I was like, okay, let's do it, you know, whatever, Wednesday night. And so we did it Wednesday night and there were 20 people. And there were people dancing on the stairs and there were people dancing in the kitchen. And literally they can't even see me. I don't even know why they came because they couldn't even barely see my feet. And by the, by within like a month's time, there were 50 women, people were getting frustrated. They wanted more space. So then we needed to move to bigger, I needed to move to a bigger venues. So I started renting spaces throughout the city, schools, DCCs, school, gym. Um, and I eventually, over time, ended up leaving my job as a homeless teacher, which was a very difficult decision. Um, but I realized that this was like, my calling. I need, this is what I needed to do with my life. And so I ended up leasing a space in 2017. Um, and I now have a beautiful 2,500 square foot studio where I offer classes and it's not just in anymore. It's all different kinds of fitness classes. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, it's amazing. It's rewarding. There's never a day that I show up that I just don't want to be at work. I absolutely love what I do. And I feel like that, um, translates and helps other people fall in love with it too. Um, let me just rewind and 
just take a few steps back. So when I first started, um, and like I said, it was all about the weight loss. I just cared about losing the weight and um, I wanted other women exercising and that was sort of like the vision and the goal. My message at the time was always um, love your body. Like, you know, I used to make everyone like chant, like I love my body at the end of each class. And what's really happened over the years though is that it's really evolved because my journey um, has not been clean, meaning it's had its ups and downs like most do. And um, I struggled because as much as I was emphasizing all this movement and all this exercise and working out, I was still battling a lot of my demons in the kitchen. And I was so concerned about what people thought about my body. And I was so concerned about the physical parts of what I was doing that I lost myself again and I had to find myself again. And so what used to be a message, a, 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 a mantra of I love my body has now become I love myself, regardless of what my body looks like. Um, what was once a mantra of, you know, Sephora Galman is all about weight loss is now a message of Sephora Galman is all about like self-love and self-care and and I no longer preach those messages in my classes about, you know, I used to say things like a lot, like we see all over me, you know, social media, like burn off the pizza that you eat, or it's yum dip, you know, now we got to go, for, like, no, we do not work out to burn off what we ate. It is not punishment. It's a reward. When I work out, I feel like it's such a blessing that I can use my body and see what I'm capable of. So it's evolved and it's had its ups and downs. And it's most certainly, um, I feel like, I'm, I'm, I haven't arrived. I don't. I hope I never arrive. I hope that I'm always evolving on this journey and, and inspiring women. And it's never easy for me. It's not simple. I still struggle. I still have to do a lot of self-talk um, when it comes to when it comes to food. Yam dip in particular can be very, very challenging for me. Late night eating is very challenging for me. But um, I, I preach really now a message and I live the message of a four-pronged approach. It's no longer just about physically taking care of myself, but it's actually four parts and I stress this to my clients all the time. It's mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and physical health. And anyone who comes to me and says, I need to lose 10 pounds, I'm like, I'm just not the person that you want to work with. Like, that's not, I, I, to me, I like to make attainable goals. Like I worked out and I feel awesome. Or I went from a three pound weight to an eight pound weight and I'm starting to really feel strong. Um, I couldn't carry my baby because my back was killing me and I feel like I'm getting stronger for. I mean, and even those things are emphasizing a little bit even too much physicality. I feel like the message now is, is really just overall wellness and taking care of myself so that I can be the best version of myself. Um, at the end of every class, more, 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 most recently, so I'm not sure if any of the classes you've done, Shira, um, I've said this, but I say inhale as we are coming to our closing. I say inhale all the good, positive energy that we created together and exhale all of the things that are stressing you out. Inhale, I can. Exhale, all of the I can't. Inhale, I love myself. And exhale and just feel that. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, um, the, the long and short, the long and short of it.
That's so awesome <laughs> to hear it from you. I listened to your talk from a couple of months ago, but it's every time I hear you talk about it, it's I learned something new from you and it's just great to hear. I also need to update my, my Zoom classes so that I can have your newer, <laughs> all of your newer material. That's awesome. So it sounds like you've kind of gone through a few different tries in finding yourself, finding what works for you. And I know you talked about this a little bit, but have you seen how, as you've changed a little bit, um, what your focus is, how has that impacted the relationships with the women who come to your studio? How has it changed how you work? Um, so I will definitely say um, people know that when they come to the studio, they cannot say anything negative about their bodies. Um, I notice that when we have this huge wall of mirrors, it's just, it's like wall to wall mirrors and women walk in and the first thing they do, which is what we usually all do is they just start looking at all of the parts that they don't like about themselves. And you know, for everyone, it's, it's a different body part. We're all built differently. We all have different genetic goals, but I, I tell them and I see this, like their face kind of like grimaces, you know, they kind of like get this pain in their face. And I'm like, look in the mirror and tell, like, say, I'm so beautiful. Like, can you look in the mirror and say like, I'm amazing and I'm capable and I'm, I'm so much more than just my body. Um, and it's, it's a work in progress, not, I think it's very difficult. It's, I see it's hard for them to, I say, even if you can't say it out loud, can you think it, <laughs> you know, or, or when we're in the middle of class and we're lifting a weight and it's heavy and it's hard and it's challenging. I, I try to like, instead of just focusing on like, oh, let's build your biceps or make you have beautiful triceps, you can feel great in your kikiriki which was at a time something that I once preached, it's now so much more like, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. I can get through a global pandemic. I can, I can deal with my child who's struggling with whatever it may be. I can, I can figure out how to navigate the challenges and we all have challenges. Like who are we kidding? We all have our unique set of challenges, but when I'm lifting my weights or I'm squatting low or I'm, um, you know, there's something in fitness called functional training. So when, as a personal trainer, I work with clients who are young and I work with clients, I really, it's a huge range, age range. But I talk about functional training, right? Where if I'm training, let's say a young mom who has, you know, one, one or two kids. So when she goes to pick up her toy, right? She's not just picking up the toy, she's squatting, right? or at least she, she should try to squat with good form as she picks up the toy, right? And then I'm working with elderly women and I'm showing them like how they, how they should squat. And what translates and what, what, what's happened is that it's not just about the movement and it's not just about building your glutes and your quads, but it's how do I take all of this work that I'm doing in this hour and let it ripple into the rest of my life and not just in a physical way not just as functional training which is what trainers typically say but as as how does this translate when i have ups and downs when i go down and i'm really feeling lousy about myself how do i pick myself up when i'm not feeling close to hashem how do i elevate myself so that i can feel closer to him so I think it's really a change in dialogue, like the way that we talk in a studio and the way that I talk on my, on my Zoom classes has changed a lot um, because of how I do myself. Um, I'm not, I don't see myself now as a person who I was. For a long time, I looked in the mirror and I still saw 
that person who was so, so disordered in her eating. Um, and now I can look at myself and say, like, you're not broken. You have this challenge. You have this thing that Hashem gave you. I used to say all the time, I wish this wasn't my thing. Like, I wish it was just easy for me when it came to food. But now, in many ways, I'm grateful that this is what I have because I have the tools and I know how to sort of, you know, navigate them. So there are definitely these that are challenging. I'm not going to, you know. In OA, the big mantra, the big thing that they always say is we strive for progress, not perfection. And so I have that on repeat in my head all the time. I feel, I feel like you really have your finger on the pulse of women in our community um, and body image, like the expert. You see all of it. They come to you, especially if they're people thinking like you're speaking about this overall wellness um, and not just a weight loss piece, but this sort of being healthy in all of these ways. Um, there's a lot on on women in our community, and and there's a lot of expectations. And, and we've spoken about this previously in podcasts. But what do you what do you notice as trends in in our community that maybe I don't know if it makes it harder, but uniquely difficult things that that really challenge us in in our community as from women. Um, what's what's happening in our community and, and how are you seeing that play out? So this is an amazing question. Um, and I want to be hopeful and I want to be positive. However, I think we need to be honest. Um, what happens in the secular world permeates into our world, right? So when you look at the secular world and the emphasis on physicality, it, it has an impact on us, it does. The images that we see, what we perceive as beautiful, what we are taught to think of as beautiful is so highly influenced by secular culture. And in addition to that, I would say that whereas our community is so full of ruchnias, it gives us that much more space to focus on the gashiness. So whereas there's so much potential for spiritual growth, I feel like, you, you know, like they say about Eretz Yisrael, like it's the holiest place in the entire world. And yet there are certain places in Eretz Yisrael that are just not like just gross, right? Like there's so much potential for being holy, but in our community, there is so much emphasis on physicality, especially for women. And just a few things that can't come to mind when I think of that is shidduchim. You talk to a guy, and the first thing he, he or his mother says is, I want a size this or below. And like they won't even, it won't even, they won't even consider someone who's not in that little box that they just put them in. I have mothers who come to me and they tell me, I've put my daughter on every diet you could possibly imagine. I need you to just fix her and make her skinny. And I like want to cry for these poor girls who are living with mothers like that because my mother was not like that. I am so grateful. My mother, no matter what size I, I am, has always told me that I'm beautiful and amazing and so much more than my body. But it's our community emphasizes that so, so, so much. 
how many women come to me and say, I have a sim call in six weeks. I need to shed 20 pounds. Like what, what I, how do I have to starve myself in order to do that? And I, I, I tell them, I'm not, I, I can't, I, if I try to work with them and I see it's not like getting in there, I tell them I'm just not your person because I don't believe in starving myself. And I, I, my body needs fuel. And I try to emphasize that the body needs energy in order to be able to, to exercise, in order to be able to move the body. And the soul needs nourishment. And I feel like we are starving ourselves as a community by focusing so, so much on the externals. Um, I'm terrified. I worry and I am concerned for, for I have one daughter and I'm concerned for my daughter and, and all, all girls because it's, it's an uphill battle that we're fighting because we're combating it from the outside, we're combating it from within. How is a girl supposed to feel beautiful or feel strong or feel confident when all she hears is her mother saying, oh my God, it's Yanzip, and like, how many calories am I going to eat and consume? And oh my God, the challah, oh my God, like, it's the messages that, we're, that we very often don't even realize we're sending to our daughters is, I hate my body and I hate myself. And it's, it's tragic. It's, it's really, it's really, 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 really tragic. Um, we need to change the dialogue and, um, I, I try to say this a lot in my messaging, like on social media, that when people compliment another, when we compliment another person very often, you'll hear like, oh my gosh, you're so skinny or you look so thin. That is not a compliment. And by the way, I have actually said to people who've said that to me, I have said that from, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but that's not a compliment for me, like being thin and being skinny is not a compliment to me. I want to be strong um, and I want to feel, I want to feel like, like, tell me that my smile makes you smile. And there's actually this, um, this meme that, um, that, that, that I, I took a picture of it so that I can remember exactly what to say. Um, but it says, you know, what happens if your daughter asks, am I pretty? Of course you think she's adorable and she should know that, but more importantly, she is more than pretty or cute or adorable. Tell her who she is. Smart, loving, curious, energetic, creative, articulate, compassionate, talented, etc. Say things like, I see the way you include those kids that no one else talks to. You're so kind and compassionate. Or you're an incredible artist. You have a gift that helps people feel happy. Or anything else that helps her see her purpose that extends far beyond how well she decorates the earth. When she can find her many purposes, she will find she will feel less need to look to her beauty and her body to find purpose, love, and acceptance. And I just love that because, you know, when people see someone, and I had this when I when I lost all my weight, the comments that people made to me, they thought they were complimenting me, they shrunk me, they made me feel like all I was was a piece of meat, and that before I must have really been vile looking or that all I am is a body, and they can't really see beyond that. Um, we have to complement each other's behaviors and, and really focus even beyond, like, I don't know, even I hear, I hear my daughter and her friend talking about, oh, I love your outfit. Well, that's nice. Like, the designer who made it is great, but what about the person? What do you love about her? Like, try to get deeper. Try to see beyond just the physicality. And I know it's hard, and like I said, I think it really is an uphill battle because of the messages that are constantly inundating our um, 
our our lives. Um, but I hope that the message that I preach resonates with people, and I hope it seeps in. And I I say it constantly. I get tired of saying it sometimes, but. I hope, I hope, I hope that that women can start to really um, see beyond beyond just the externals. Absolutely, it's uh, something that I see a lot in our community, and I I hope that we can start taking strides towards moving in a, a better direction with this. Um, and thank you for being someone who's pushing us in that direction. And if anyone does not follow Tsipora on social media, you should. <laughs> um, and from looking at your social media, you might get the sense that like everything is always glorious and happy and exciting um, and that you're always glowing and doing super intense workouts. Is that what your life is really like? Um, what is your life outside of what we see on social media or in classes? So, okay, so I think this is a great question um, because I like to think of my social media as my highlight reel. I, I really 100% love dancing and I 100% love working out and I love making people happy. So what you see is authentic. It is Truly, like when the music goes on, I could be dead tired, I could be exhausted, but when the music goes on, I'm like, it just brings me to life. So you see on social media that I look like I'm having the time of my life. That's because in that three minute movie, in that three minute video where I'm recording either a routine or a workout, I am. I am lit up, I am on fire, and I feel like that energy translates through the camera. That being said, I try to make my posts meaningful. So sometimes it's just a routine because I do know that not everyone can afford to take my classes. And so they can, some people have, you know, messaged me and said, I come to your page every day and I want it, I watch one routine. They don't even do the routine, which we're getting there, but they don't even do the routine, but they, they feel joy. When you see someone like dancing and happy, it brings you joy and it, it, it inspires them to go take a walk or it inspires them to just be happy for a few minutes. To me, that's like a super big win. Um, but there is so much that happens off screen. Um, I'm a big crier. I mean, anyone who watches my, my talk will know. And even before this, I wasn't sure if I would be able to keep it together. I'm very emotional. Um, I am, and I'm very spiritual. And I work every single day on the four things that I mentioned earlier. I work every single day on my mental health, on my emotional wellness, on my spiritual health, and on my physical. How do I do that? So I'm in therapy. I'm very open about that. I encourage all of my clients to seek therapy. Um, I think that given the lives that we live, um, I just think everyone should have a therapist. I think if you go to a doctor when you're not feeling well physically, you should have someone that you go to um, as a Revitin, I need a space that's safe for me where I can unload as a fitness instructor. I need a space where I can, I'm a very public figure in this community in particular, whether it's people from my shul or people that come to my classes. And so I need a space where I can unload. Um, and so I do work every single day for my mental health. I wake up every single morning 
and I do four G's, my gratitude, my goals, my glitch, and my um, my bud, and I I work on myself. And when I and I work on myself in my with my mental health professional on my eating disorder as well. Um, and and I just even if you don't have anything like an eating disorder, but everyone I just really encourage people to seek mental health. Um, for themselves to just feel stronger. And by the way, every single client who has sought out um, therapy has been so grateful for doing so. Um, my spiritual health, I am a big davener. I have always been a big davener from a very young age. I, um, I, I just talk to Hashem. Um, sometimes it translates Eshmona Esrei. Sometimes it translates Eshmona Esrei in my car on my way to work. Sometimes it doesn't even translate as Eshmona Esrei, but I make it a point to talk to Hashem. As I was raising my children, that very much got put on the back burner. And now my youngest is six and my oldest is 17. So I found that in the last couple of years, probably the last like two years, I've been able to create more space in my life now that like the kids are in school full day to really make the time to be able to dive in. But like I said, it's not always formal. It's not always more than five minutes, but I really make the time because I see on the day when I talk to Hashem, I see him so much more in my life. And on the days when I don't make the time, I have a much harder time seeing him. Um, my physical health, obviously, I invest in that every single day um, with my workouts. Um, and I will also say that, that the, the little clips that I do on social media, like the videos, I really try to make them inspiring. I don't just post myself squatting, but I try to find symbolic messages or um, I try to like connect what I'm feeling on that given day or what's going on in the year or what's going on at that exact time in my life and try to really connect the workouts to that. So I really try to add meaning to them. It doesn't always happen, but a lot of times it does. Um, and, and my emotional wellness, I, I, I mean, I include that in my mental health, but also I do things that I enjoy that are not fitness, even though that really is my great love. Um, I have five children, so I'm very, very, you know, preoccupied with, making sure everyone has a, you know, what they need. My younger children have different needs now than my high school children. Um, and I'm a Rebbitzin in the shul. Before COVID, I entertained every single Shabbos and I have not been able to do that in a very long time. Um, but I, I, I struggle like everyone else. I, it may look on camera like I am living a life and I do believe that I'm trying to live my best life. Um, but I, I struggle and I have my ups and downs and I, I would say that now I have tools through therapy and through maturing and just getting older, just really tapping into those tools to help me stay in my lane. One of the things they say in Overeaters Anonymous is that instead of riding the roller coaster, we learn to like walk alongside it. And I feel like that's my goal every day to like learn to walk alongside it. You don't have to ride the roller coaster. As fun and insane as roller coasters may be, but it's it's really just about walking alongside of it. Alongside it. Just to um, wrap up a little bit, I feel like there's so much that you touched on, and on literally like with the physical and the, like it's everything. It's the whole it's the whole package. If you had to leave, um, I guess really specifically women listening to this, it's pre yuntif also, and like you mentioned, a lot of those conversations and and just the general experience that we 
we all have, what, what would be your sort of parting words of chizok, inspiration, motivation, like here, here's what you need to know to, to do this and to get through this. And this is the, the key for the wellness goal, even if you're not going to get there tomorrow. What, would, what chizok would you leave us with? Okay, so here I'll put on my Rebbitton hat more than um, any other hat. Um, so every morning when I wake up, I'm waiting for Hashem to give me his life. And I know for a long time when I said Moldani, I was thought Moldani, the Parecha, Parekayam, of all life and all things. Thank you for, for waking me. Um, and at the end, we say, um, Rabba and Munasecha. And I always thought that meant that, like, oh, I have so much faith in Hashem. Like, I love you so much. You know, I have so much faith in you. But I heard really that what we're saying is Rabba and Munasecha, that Hashem has so much faith in us. And I think that, um, that if we start our morning with the notion that we are so loved and we are so precious and we are so blessed, that helps set the tone for the entire day. And it, it helps make decisions easier because I know for me, I had to learn how to say no to certain things. And I had to really ask myself that question of like, is this going to nurture and help me be the best version that I can be? Um, and so I would also say that the one word that we say over and over and over again during our talking of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur is Chayim, life. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to to live life with a heartbeat and just kind of go through the motions and living in a global pandemic. I mean, I've never done this before. So there is the days are very, they just have this weird vibe to them where they feel eternal and yet all of a sudden it's Shabbos tomorrow and then I don't even know what day of the week anymore, right? And so I think that that if I were to leave you with parting words, it's really that we're not just meant to live a life where we have a heartbeat and we go through the motions, but it's really that we're called upon, and especially now at this time of year, it behooves us to really dig deep and, and figure out how we can live that best life. And really, really, the important thing is to set realistic goals realistic goals, small goals, baby steps. If when I started, I had said, I'm going to lose, you know, half of my body weight, there's no way I would have been able to accomplish that. I took baby steps. Everything is baby steps. When it comes to fitness, you want to tell yourself, I want to run a half marathon. Like it's, it's, it's very unlikely that you're going to jump into running a half marathon. You're going to tell yourself, I'm going to learn for an hour every single day. Or I'm going to, you know, do the top yogi or I'm going to, I don't know, learn all of Tanakh. Like, Lofty goals are, are very nice, but very often we fall short. And Rosh Hashanah is the new year. And if you look at the secular world, if we're learning from the secular world, at least something positive, right? There's always New Year's resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Everyone's talking about New Year's resolutions around January time. In fact, when I joined um, my gym in January, they always offered valet parking because they had so many people coming into the gym from January 1st to February 1st that they needed to have staff to actually drive people's cars. Come February 1st though, like the gym was empty again, right? So everyone creates these very lofty goals for themselves, come Rosh Hashanah. It behooves us to create goals around the four things, in my opinion, around those four areas that I mentioned earlier. An emotional goal, how am I gonna take care of my emotional wellness? Maybe I'm gonna make an appointment with a mental health professional. How am I going to take care of myself physically? Maybe I'm going to commit 
to doing a 20 minute walk every single day. And maybe while I'm doing that 20 minute walk, I'm listening to a podcast like this one or a sheer or something. There's so many there now, especially, I feel like there's just so much out there for Torah content. You could, if davening interests you, you can hear a sheer about davening. If you want to learn about Tanakh, you can learn about that. I mean, there's and everything right now is so accessible because it's all on, on Zoom. You could watch it, you could listen to it. Go for a walk and at the same time get into a little spiritual fix um, in, in listening to something that inspires you in an area that inspires you. Um, and, 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 and I think that I think these things are really attainable. If you had told me 10 years ago that they were attainable, I would have said, absolutely not. I have all these little children. My life is like this is insane. I have 100 people coming for a meal friend. Like, I was totally a mess. I never would have imagined that I could get it together. And I'll tell you now, 10 years later, like my life is so much more balanced because I have made these four things a priority. And I think that if we, when we're davening and we think, Chaim, 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 a life that is meaningful, a life that is full and joyful, then it, 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 it's just, it's a life that's worth living. It's a life that Hashem is proud of us, where, where Rabbi Munasecha, he has so much faith in us to give it our best shot. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful and inspiring. Um, just want to bottle your words and keep them with me <laughs> at all times. Oh, thank you. I feel ready to do something. I don't know that. <laughs> something. <laughs> you know what, though? They always say circus comes right after your pepper because you need to like physically pick something up. And like shake it, you know. Like I totally get that. I totally get that. When you're like, why you just want to do something? Give me time. It's always something. It's always work to be done.